many of you know that uh, I have a varied church background. I grew up uh, Pentecostal. Um, I was trained Methodist, Presbyterian. A uh, big portion of our church is Catholic. We're just mutts. I mean, that's just the way it works. We're, we're just, and it's okay. We're, we're glad with that. But this week I had a Pentecostal experience. I want to tell you a little bit about it. We just passed the goal we set a few weeks ago to hit $75,000 cash. We're at seventy-eight. Yeah. Yeah. Now, that doesn't mean we're done. That was just the cash we needed to stay on target. So thank you for that. So when I got that last check, I went in my office, shut the door, and I did my Holy Ghost dance right there in my room. It was, it was wonderful. Thank you so much for, uh, for helping us keep on target to make this thing a reality. Well, let me tell you what I'm going to talk to you about today. I'm very excited. I, this has been a message that has been brewing in me for a while, and I wanted to spring it on you today. And I got to tell you, it's not that it's half-baked. It's just that I'm not going to be able to go as far as I would like. I'm going to talk with you today about a subject straight from God's Word that I think, in reality, can revolutionize your life. I hate to oversell, and yet this subject is so powerful. If you'll grab hold of the one, two, three principles I'm going to share today, I sincerely believe it will change you. Now, my gut as the pastor of this church says that what we're going to talk about, you've all heard. And so the yawn factor might kick in a bit. It, it, it would be understandable on one level. And yet my other sense as the pastor who talks with, prays for, sees your, connects, your connect cards, is that while we've heard about this, I, my gut says the vast majority of us have not fully pressed in. So I want to stir it up today. I, I want to stir it up in you. I want to take a subject that you've heard, preached, you've been talked to about, you've probably felt guilty about, and I want to give it some new life today. I, I want to do that for you because honestly, that's what God's been doing in my life on this topic. And we're going to go to two passages of scripture, one in the Old Testament, one in the New, and, and before we go there, I want to tell you a little bit about those passages. One of them is a descriptive passage. Now, this is simply a, a way of categorizing the Bible that theologians and pastors use to say that when we read this passage, it's going to describe for us what happened in one person's particular experience. And when we read that person's experience and what God said to them and what the promises were, when we read their experience, it's going to describe it. And we can then interpret and deduce some principles about God's character and how it applies to our life. There are plenty of descriptive passages in your Bible. And now the problem with descriptive passages, sometimes it's easy to think, oh, well, well, that was for them in that situation at that time. And sometimes that's exactly right with descriptive. It was for them in that time. That's why I'm going to take you to a New Testament passage that is not descriptive, it's prescriptive. It's a passage that comes right from Jesus' own words where he looks at his followers then and there, but also here and now. And he says, this is what I want you to know about this subject. For all time and all places where my people are, this is a truth. And so there is no, in a prescriptive passage, there is no uh, shielding because of time or space or culture. No, the full impact of the passage hits us square. And in this case, it's freedom. In this case, it's power. In this case, it's life-changing. So, if you have your Bibles, why don't you go with me to Jeremiah 33. This is our descriptive passage. 
from the experience of Jeremiah the prophet. I've been in this book for a while, and that's why you're sensing uh, more and more sermons, if, if you pay attention to that sort of thing. Um, if you don't have your Bible, uh, the words will be behind me on the screen, and you can follow along there. I hope, though, that you'll maybe take that pen and uh, maybe take the offering envelope and jot down a few notes today, because I really think you'll find this helpful. So our subject we're going to talk about today is prayer. It's It's prayer. And it's not just prayer in the sense that you should pray. What I want to do today is I want to talk with you about the heart of God. We're in this sermon series called A Place for Everyone. You're invited. Everybody has a place. And and, and last week I talked to you about the heart of God. You have a place in God's heart. We looked at the, the story of the prodigal son, and we didn't look at the prodigal. We didn't even look at the older brother too much. We looked at the father who has a heart waiting For the religious and the irreligious, those in and those out. And the Father just wants to be with them. And that motivates the church, us today, to reflect his heart. Their Bible was given in part simply to show us the heart of the Father. That's why God wants us to read it. That's why he wants us to proclaim it. That's why we read it from cover to cover in our new building, declaring, God, your character revealed in this book. This is what this church is about. We're going to put it on display. We're going to lift it up. We're going to glorify, shine light on it. We believe, as we sang just a few moments ago, that the cross is enough. And when people have an encounter with the cross, they're opening the door to a profoundly life and eternity-changing experience, a journey of discovery of themselves, of course, of their purpose in this life, but more profoundly, a God whose heart is so large. I don't think the world knows that enough. One of the most important implications of the heart of the Father is that you don't only have a spot in his heart, you have his ear. He wants to talk with you. He wants you to talk with him. Not in a begrudging kind of way where we say, oh, I haven't done my prayers. I think sometimes the reason believers in Jesus today, maybe this is your experience, don't do prayer the way God would like us to do prayer, where we conversate with him, where we engage him, where we talk to him on a regular disciplined level. I think sometimes the reason we don't do it is because of the way churches have talked about it, or at least the way we interpreted how they talked about it. And it became less of a conversation that you willingly and joyfully look forward to, and became more of a to-do item you check off. Have you done your prayers this week? Did you pray before you took a bite? I always like to, when I'm sitting down with people and they eat before they pray, I always like to say, would you mind if I pray? I wait for them to take the first bite. And then I ask God not to kill them or choke them because they failed to pray. I'm, I'm kidding, of course, but you get the sense that sometimes that that prayer thing, and yet this isn't God's heart at all. Now, Jeremiah is the weeping prophet. It's a bad call in one sense he had on his life. Israel was under judgment from God, and nothing good was going to happen until they bowed their knee and said, all right, God, we're going we're gonna to return to you. You know, sometimes I hear people talk about how bad it is in our culture and in our world. And let's be clear, there are some terrible things going on in our world. And I hear people talk about how it's not going to get better. And you got a kind of gloom and doom thing. And I always feel bad that I don't feel as bad as other people feel bad. Because I don't. I, I have this hope in me. I, I get it from places like right here in the story of Jeremiah. Let me tell you how bad it was in his day. The people of God 
The ones who were brought out of Egypt, the one who saw the miracles, the one who God had sent prophet and kings to, the one who, the stories you read in your Bible that inspire us, it was happening to them in their time. Let me tell you what they were doing. They were worshiping a God indigenous to the area by the name of Moloch. And they were taking their children and sacrificing them to Moloch in Jeremiah's time. They had turned away from the God of their fathers, the God who had displayed his power and might and glory, his character in front of them. And they had turned to worshiping this other God almost in fearful frenzy. They were literally burning their children. And God said, I'm going to send Jeremiah to rouse you, to wake you. And they did not respond well. He lived his whole life telling them the truth, and they wouldn't receive it. And he finds himself in Jeremiah chapter 33 distraught. And he's like, God, I'm talking to you, and it doesn't seem like you're listening. I mean, you called me to this thing, and I'm doing the thing, and you're not seemingly doing your thing. Have you ever, have you ever felt like maybe, maybe God wasn't holding up his end of the deal? It's a common feeling for believers. We, we don't like to talk about it because we know that intuitively you're not supposed to be disappointed with God. But a lot of believers are. I think when you read Jeremiah, you get the sense that if he wasn't disappointed, at least he had some hard questions he'd like to ask God. And so God comes to him in Jeremiah 33. And I love how it begins because in one sentence, it kind of tells you, even if you don't know the history, the situation. Here's how it begins in verse 1. While Jeremiah was still confined, <laughs> confined, not a good situation. He's still confined in the courtyard of the guard. So there's a guard and he's stuck there. He can't get out. And then, and then the beautiful thing happens. The word of the Lord came to him a second time. Now, in your Bible, when you see the word Lord in all caps, that isn't just a generic term meaning the Lord or the one in charge in a general sense. It's the specific name that God gave his people to identify him. And theologians call it the covenant name of God. Every time in your Bible, Lord is in all caps, it's the specific, not God in general, but the God, your God, the one from your history, the one from your past, the one that is still working in you, the one that hasn't given up, the one that says, I love you, my commitment is towards you. That covenant God, the word of that Lord came to Jeremiah a second time. He had an earlier word, but it comes back. Verse 2. This is what the Lord says. He who made the earth and formed it and established it. The Lord is his name. Now, even before we get to the word of the Lord, the characteristics or the qualifications of the Lord are being discussed. This is the one who made the earth. Now, what, what the purpose of that verse is to establish just how significant this word is. And the word is significant because of who gives it. This is that God, the one who formed the earth. Not the other ones that people worship. Not the counterfeit ones. Not the one that tends to grab the attention, but that doesn't. This is the real one. The word of the Lord who made the earth, formed it, and established it. The Lord is his name. And verse 3 for our purposes today. Call to me, and I will answer you. And tell you great and unsearchable things you do not know. Call to me. And I will answer you. And tell you great and unsearchable things you do not know. Because you have a place in God's heart. You also have his ear. 
Jeremiah and many people in your Bible experience a renewed invitation to talk with God, to call out to him. You have an invitation to talk to God. Well, let's make something perfectly clear. If this were the very first time you had ever heard this truth, I mean, try to imagine going like way back or erasing a portion of your mind where you had never heard about prayer. You knew there was a God, but he felt distance and you didn't know how to connect with him. And somebody came to you who had credibility and you believed them. And they said to you for the very first time, the creator of the world would like to talk with you. And he would like you to talk with him. Imagine if that was the first time, as opposed to the burnt over time and the, and the, the, the scarred understanding that we have based on our experience, our history, our theology, our disappointment. Imagine if it was fresh and new. The creator of the world wants to have a conversation. He wants you to talk, and he wants to hear you. Well, we'd all be having Pentecostal experience. You'd all be going back in your rooms and doing your little Holy Ghost dance thinking, oh, yeah, I, I was hoping maybe, potentially, he could want to talk to me. That's exactly what I'm wanting you and what God has been doing in me to remind me what, what we need to understand and grab hold of. And, and I don't want to make prayer on such a level up here that it's reserved for prophets in the Bible like Jeremiah only. The goal of today is, without going all the way deep, because this is weeks and weeks and weeks to unpack, and it's not even something you can just talk about, it's something you have to engage and do to fully understand. And while I can't do it all, I don't want to be like the fool who says, since I can't do anything, I won't do, since I can't do it all, I won't do anything. That, that's just a foolish way to approach life. I can't fix the whole problem, I won't engage at all. I can't give a lot, I won't give any. I can't love my wife perfectly, I won't love her at all. I guess you don't say that, but that's the way it you know, tends to act sometimes. I don't want to be like that person, so I want to dive in and kind of unpack this verse that describes what God was saying to Jeremiah. And I think even though it was for him and then, there are some principles because they line up with God's word. I mean, the, the full word and testimony of Scripture is that Jeremiah's experience wasn't meant to be unique. So let's just look at it for a second. Call to me. This is God's word. This is his heart for you. Because you have his heart, you have his ear. Call to me. Now, the word call is very interesting to me because it's not just like, hey, when you get a chance, would you pull up a chair? That, that, that's not what's going on at all. It's the idea of urgency. It's the idea of importance. It's the idea that you have something that you need help with. It's the image of the child who's lost in the store. And they don't know what to do. They turn around and mom's not where, they, where he or she thinks mom should be. And so they just start crying. Ah, mom, have you ever been there? I remember when I was a little kid, I, you know, I have four siblings and we were at the store and I used to like to try to like hide for just a moment. So I'd get in between all the racks of the clothes and stuff. And I, I'd stand there. And, and then, you know, they'd come find me. And it was a great thing to get found. I always loved that attention. Oh, there you are. Yeah. So one day I'm like hiding. And my parents were like engaged. And they were shopping for something. And they stepped away. And it seemed like hours had passed. I'm sure it was 30 seconds. And I stepped out and they weren't there. I remember being terrified. And in my church, of course, when your parents were gone in a moment like that, it meant that the rapture had occurred. So I wasn't just afraid. I just knew that, you know, I had no hope. It was, 
It was terrible. But, but that joy of being found, the calling out, Mom, Dad, this is the invitation we have. Call to me. Call to me. You're invited to talk to God. The prophet Isaiah also says, lift up your voice. Call out to him. Don't be afraid. Jesus, in a few moments we're going to read his words. He teaches his followers to talk to God and begin by saying, Abba, Father, Dad, Dad, Abba. I, I, I want to talk to you. Something's important to me. Now, my kids know, I hope they know. One of the things I'm try, I've tried to establish in our home is that they know that when they call to me, I'm going to take time to listen. I'm going to take time to listen. I won't put them off indefinitely. Uh, they'll get my attention. And your Heavenly Father wants you to know this, that if you call to Him, He will hear you. It's not just a call. Call to me, and then listen to this next phrase. Now, it's specific to Jeremiah in one sense, and it described his experience, but there are principles that reach to us. Call to me, and I will answer you. The Bible says that when we call to God, we'll be heard. In fact, in just a moment, I'm going to take us, not to just the general principles about prayer, I'm going to take you to a passage in the Bible where Jesus prescribes to us some of the details of how to do this in a way to make sure that we know we're heard. Call to me, and I will hear you. You know, the, the, the real truth is, I mean, here's the underbelly of prayer in most churches. It's not that God isn't answering our prayers. It's that we don't pray. That's just the truth. Most of our prayers look like this, and on some level they're valid. And if this is all you do, and this is all you're ever going to do, keep doing it. It does matter. It's just not the full thing that God wants. Most of our prayers are help me, help me, help me, give me, give me, give me, heal me, heal me, heal me, bless me, bless me, bless me. And they happen, in most cases, while we're driving down the road, and we're thinking about something we forgot. And we got an appointment at work. And we're like, oh, Jesus, dear God, if you could ever come right now, deliver. Every, just help me. Or, 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 or it's the kid going, oh, I forgot there was a quiz. Oh, Jesus, 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 oh, Jesus. Oh, I'm so sorry, Jesus, Jesus, could you please? And, and, and that's like the tone and tenor of a lot of our prayers. And no, hear me, hear me. On one level, that is okay. But that is not the heart of the Father who has you carved in the imprint in his hands, who has a spot for you reserved in his heart, who gives you his ear. It's not just the gimme, 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 help me, help me, help me, bless me, bless me, bless me. There's something more that he wants. Call to me. I'll hear you. I'll answer you. Here's the truth. Some of you have heard this before. But I believe most every prayer gets answered. And this will seem on some level like prayer 101, but just go with me for a second and let me rehearse something if you've heard this before. If not, this might help you significantly. I believe most prayers get answered, and I think that most prayers get answered in the affirmative. I think, and I don't want, this is totally subjective, I think like 90% of prayers get a yes answer. I really do. I think that most prayers get a yes answer. And the Bible tells us that when we pray biblical prayers, we'll talk about that in a moment, there's a qualifier here. When we pray in line with God's will, he typically looks at us and says, okay, I'll do that. Uh, let, let, me, let me just kind of boil this down to, to, to hard facts for a moment. This is the truth. I have never one time prayed and asked God for peace. That very quickly, I didn't get some peace. Now, there have been a lot of times I needed peace. And after the conflict was over, I looked back and thought, oh, 
I didn't pray for peace. But I've never one time asked God to comfort and give me peace that he didn't deliver in some real form. I've never one time asked God, this is just the truth, to give me strength to face something that was difficult and uphill. I've never one time asked him to give me strength that very quickly, a sense of strength, a subjective sense that God was with me and for me and that I could do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Not one time have I ever sincerely asked God for strength to face something in my life that I haven't felt him come alongside, but there have been many times. I didn't ask him for strength. And I went it alone. I've never one time asked God for wisdom. That he didn't reveal some aspect of the situation. Some corner of my heart was laid bare. And I got insight and wisdom about me, about another person, about us. There's never been one time in my life I ever asked God for wisdom. That he didn't look at me and say, okay, I'll, I'll help you here. What I'm saying to you is, is that sometimes the reason our prayers don't get answered is that we don't pray what the Bible would say, what, what we would call biblical prayers. Now God, listen, God hears the call of every child. Help me, help me, help me. Bless me, bless me, bless me. Heal me, heal me, heal me. He hears it. But there's a, a higher level. There's a, a new realm. There's a, there's a level of communicating with your father that goes beyond, would you just supply what I want and what I need now? I think most of the prayers we pray, where we take a moment and we go beyond the, I'm going to squeeze this prayer in while I'm on 275 and the cell phone's ringing and I'm putting on my makeup and I'm hurried to work and oh God, would you help me get, I think there's a new level, a, a, a different place. Jesus is going to talk about it, where there's a deeper understanding that your prayers hit pay dirt and the yeses begin to come. Instead of saying, like for instance, here's something I've learned. Instead of praying like, God help me, this woman is on my nerves. Jill's on the road right now visiting my parents, so I'm going to talk about her. This woman, this woman is on my nerves. Lord Jesus, why did you ever allow me to marry this woman? I've never prayed that, but just imagine for a moment. Lord Jesus, God, would you just change her? I need it now, Lord, I'm tired of this. Never in my life have we ever. But if I were to ever pray that prayer, it doesn't hit the pay dirt that I'm talking about. But when I prayed the other prayer, God, I'm in this situation and I'm frustrated. And it's, it seems like it's hurt, but God, if there, and I pray a biblical prayer, God, if anything in this situation is me, if there's a part of my heart that I'm not seeing, and I get on the level that David got in the Psalms, Lord, would you search me right now and see if some part of this situation is my heart? When I, when I pray a prayer like that, I start getting answers to my prayers quickly. Almost always before I say amen, and I've taken time to really pray and really get down to the core issues and not just the ones I'm feeling pressure from, and I get below, help me, help me, help me, heal me, heal me, heal me, bless me, bless me, bless me, give me, give me, give me, I get a lot of yeses to my prayers. One of the most significant times of prayer in our family over the last few weeks uh, this is about six months ago. We were having a particularly heated conversation with one of our children. And it was one of those situations where at, when we thought we kind of hit the end of the conversation, I know this doesn't happen to you, and if you need a perfect pastor with a perfect family, listen, there's one down the road about three miles at another church because 
not one here, all right? We were having a particularly heated conversation, and we got to the end of it, and I just wasn't happy. I, I didn't feel comfortable about it. I didn't feel satisfied. I didn't feel like we had dealt with the thing. And yet I had run out of words. I didn't know what else to say to make the thing that I felt needed to happen happen. And so my wife said, as she regularly does, she said, what if we just pray? Why don't we just hold hands and pray? And so we held hands around our table, me, my wife, and that child, and my wife offered up a prayer. And she just said something like this. The words kind of elude me, but the, the impact of them doesn't. Something like, God, we're stuck. We know it's not your will for our family to be in this place. Would you show us what to do? Would you give us wisdom? Would you give us insight? And then she prayed a dangerous prayer. And God, where each of us need to change, would you give us the strength to do it? Instantly. I don't know how to, I don't know how to, instantly. Oh, we still had some details to work through. But there was a love around that table. There were tears, there was, there was a strength and a unity. It was as if the very presence of God flooded our kitchen. This is what Jeremiah was experiencing. Call to me and I'll answer you. The biblical writers are trying to struggle with this apparent promise that seems to have no real limitations and then they bring the structure for us. One of the writers says, we pray and we have not because we pray amiss, it says in the King James. We pray with wrong motives. We pray with selfish hearts. When we do that, we don't get the, the answers we need. But when we pray in line with God's will, God, I know your heart for us is love. And right now, this is not a loving environment. God, your heart for us is not to be steeped in anger. And right now, anger is rampant. God, your heart for us is not to let words flow as they're flowing with freedom that cut and bite and kill and destroy. God, would you help us? Yes. You will hear yeses to your prayers. God, we're struggling financially. And your heart for us is that I can provide for our family. God, would you show me what I can do? God, I'll do whatever you need me to do. Would you open doors? As opposed to just, God, help me, help me, help me, rain down. God, I'm going to buy this lottery ticket. Would you please, Lord Jesus, just once, would you please? God, help me provide. God, what if you pray? God, whatever I need to do, I don't care what it is. I don't care if I like the job or not. Whatever I need you to provide, your heart is that. God, I'll do that. I have found when you get there, boom, the yeses start rolling in. We have not because we ask amiss. We have not because we ask with selfish motives. Jeremiah is learning that the heart of the Father is, call to me, I will hear you. I will answer you. And then look at this last piece before I take you right to Jesus' words that are so transparent and clear, they don't really need to be unpacked. And I will show you great and unsearchable things you do not know. You know the challenge with me? I think I know it. I think I already know. I don't carve out time to pray. I hide behind, this is just me, I hide behind Jesus' words to pray unceasingly, and I pretend then that I don't have to carve out specific time to pray. And in that, I wonder why it doesn't click sometimes. I don't use the words of Jesus to pray unceasingly to lean in and actually pray more. I use them as a vehicle to disengage this very process that for me, in a new way over the last few months, is I've had to get very serious with my God. 
has brought life to me and energized me and sustained me. And I think it could for you. And if I have any sense at all of what happening is happening within our congregation, it is not that we're praying and God's not hearing us. Listen to me, and I don't mean this to scold you. It's just the time for truth. I have a hunch we're not praying. That's why we prayed 40 hours in our building. Just as a way of saying this is a value for us. This is a principle for us. Now, I think... Maybe 90% of the prayers get yes. I think, you know, sometimes there's a no. I don't, I don't know, 99%, right? So 9, 9%, I don't know. I don't know. But sometimes God looks at you and says, no, that's not what you're, I, that's not good for you. You're asking, keep asking, but I'm the dad. I know better. I have wisdom you don't have. I see the beginning from the end. No, it's not good for you. And thank God for unanswered prayers. If I had a guitar, I'd sing it for you. Of course, Right? There are a lot of things in my life that I would have today if God answered every prayer that would absolutely wreck my life. Sometimes God says, wait. I don't know. And you know the challenge with wait? The, the challenge with wait is, I just made these numbers up, all right? Don't, don't send me an email. Sometimes God says, wait. And the problem with wait is the answer is yes, it's just not yet. I've never known God to respond to my timelines. Never. God, Lord Jesus, now. I don't think he likes that. You know, it's like, he's God, I'm not. I don't get to dictate. And so, if I lost family members that are, haven't come to Jesus, you know what his heart for them is? That they would come to know him. And when I pray, God, we want, his heart is leaning a yes. The time isn't yet. There's some things that are going to happen. I've got a yes. It hasn't happened yet. So, in your New Testament, let, 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 me, let me just kind of give you a, a very much a how real quick. In your New Testament, in Matthew chapter 6, we get a prescriptive passage. I just want to read it to you and make three quick comments. Here's what it says. And when you pray, not if you pray, this is to believers, it's understood that you will, that this is what believers do, people in a relationship with Jesus who've received his grace, who the experience of the cross has transformed them, their lives. When you pray, do not be like the hypocrites. For they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. What's their reward? To be seen by others. So they're standing out there in the rain praying and God goes, good for you. We're all impressed. You're very faithful. That's your reward. Nothing else is going to happen. Boom. Done. All right. They stand to be seen by others. They receive their reward. But now here's the thing. And this is going to stretch you and your gut's going to say, no, it doesn't mean what it says it means. And I'm telling you, it means exactly what it means. But when you pray, go into your room and close the door and pray to your father who is unseen. Jesus said when he's teaching people how to pray, all believers, here's a key principle. Separate yourself. Go and formally pray. Shut the door. Get away from distractions. Carve out specific time to not think, meditate, read, but to talk to God. And use words. This is different than the hunch that we have when we're overcome with guilt or we're overcome with pressure or we're overcome with some circumstance in our life we don't know and we sit in our car in front of the stars and, oh, Lord Jesus, would you just help me? Oh, there was a shooting star. Thank you. And, and we, we, like, mystify or romanticize. Jesus, when he was teaching people how to pray, he said, go into your room, shut the door, carve out the time. Now, what's interesting, when you read Jesus and what he did, the Bible would say it this way, and he would 
separate himself to a solitary place. So he didn't go into a room and shut the door. He got away, though. And he carved out time, and he would pray to God. This one explicit black and white instruction from Jesus, the one we call Lord, to have moments in our life when we pray, not if you do this, but when you do it, not even that you should do it, but when you do it, here's how. Carve out time. Shut the door. You and God having a conversation. And you talk to him. It changes everything. It changes everything. I know from my experiences, and I don't, again, not to shame, 85% of the people in this room have never once done that. I don't mean that to shame you. Do you realize that your heavenly father, his heart is for you. You have his ear, but you got to pull up the chair. You got to walk up to the counter where he is. And I'm not talking and saying that you can't, you can't throw up the Hail Mary prayer. Oh, Lord Jesus, right now. Come on, God. We need a breakthrough. Hear me, hear me, hear me. I'm not saying you can't do that. I'm not. Listen, do it. I'm talking about a whole new level of prayer where you carve out the time. And you use your words. What words? The big words I use? The next verses. Real, real quick. Look, 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 look. On my phone. Give me a moment to get there. Here's what it says. <clears throat> and when you pray, go to your room, close the door. And when you pray to your father who is unseen, then your father who is, sees what is done in secret will reward you. Doesn't mean he's going to give you everything you want, but there's a reward coming. And for the 15%, I'm making that number. I Listen, if, you're, if it's like 16 and you're the 16th and you don't feel like you're not pouring guilt on you, ignore me. It's fine. In general, I know God's people aren't praying the way they should. It's a gut level I have, and we're going to lean into this. When your father who is unseen sees what you do in secret, he will reward you. I don't know all that that means, but I know this. I want to be on the receiving end of God's reward. I don't know everything, but I'm smart enough to know this, that there are rewards from God. I want them. I don't even know what they are. I want them. Do you want them? Do you? If God has rewards, I want them. They're good for me. I know his heart for me. His heart for me is good and grand, and he has never had an evil thought for me. And if he has something for me, and so if his instruction to me, Jesus' instruction, Jesus teaches how to pray, if his instruction is go into a room and shut the door and use your words and talk to God, well, I'm just an idiot if I don't do it. Because he has rewards for me. Now, some of you are thinking, yeah, rewards. I was wondering when we were going to get to the payoff. Thank you, Jesus. Of course there are rewards. They may not be the rewards you want. I don't know what they'll look like in your life. It could be that when you're praying about your marriage, let me just be honest with you, man. It could be God's going to say, all right, we're going to deal with that. So here's step one. You get serious about your faith. Okay, I'm going to deal with her. You get serious about your faith. Now, if you aren't teachable, here's what a profound prayer warrior said. A guy by the name of C.S. Lewis had a big impact on my life. Richard Foster, who wrote a book called Celebration of Discipline, Discipline picks up on this. That if you and I aren't teachable, we'll quit praying. Because a lot of what prayer does is it molds and shapes us into the image of our Father. And if we're resistant to that, we stop the conversation because it's not fun. You know the other thing that keeps me from praying like this sometimes? Anger. When I'm angry, I'm not asking God, search me, 
Find me, Lord, if it's me. You know, when I'm angry, I know it's you. I know, I have prayed in anger about you guys so many times, it's not even funny. <laughs> Teasing just a little bit right there. <laughs> well, I, listen, I don't have the heart of a pastor when I do that. God, do they realize what the... I do that in prayer, in secret. You don't hear it, I don't talk to other people about it. You know what the Father does to me? All right, then. Come on, come on. We're off, we're off track. Come on, come on, come on. Come on back. And my prayers get answered. And I get rewarded on a level. Then I, I don't, don't know what to say. I don't know where to go with this. Here's, and when you pray, do not keep on babbling like pagans, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. Don't be like them. It's not about your words. Right words, wrong words. Don't be like them, for your Father knows what you need even before you ask. Oh, he already knows? What do I pray for? Now, listen, if you're wondering if he already knows why do I pray, you're right on the verge. Listen. You're right on the verge of a spiritual breakthrough like you've never known. Your father already knows what he needs, and yet he calls to you and says, come to me with your need. Because he's not interested in just the stuff, friends. He's interested in you. And if you'll press through and just take Jesus at face value, without trying to mitigate it, understand it, deal with your emotional baggage, your church baggage, if you'll just take Jesus at his word and go sit in your closet and shut the door and carve out time to talk to your Father in heaven and pray honest prayers, Lord Jesus, maybe a portion of this is me. God, do I even really need this thing? I keep coming into you and asking you to give me the wife, but God, is there something else I need before I get a wife? If you pray prayers like that, and you don't worry about the words you use and you're just communicating, I'm telling you, friends, it will change everything. Now, if you're one of those people today and you're thinking, I can't imagine ever using my words to talk to God, then on some level, the enemy's already won in your life. Because he knows that there's power. There is power in those kinds of prayers. So why don't you do this? Why don't you take out your connect card? Let's take a few steps together. If you're in this room today and you don't have a relationship with Jesus, you've never, as we would say, bowed your knee to the fact that he is Lord and you're not. You've never acknowledged that you're a sinner and he's the Savior. We'd like you to do that today. It's a good day to come to Jesus. The Bible says you do it this way. You just admit, God, I am a sinner. That means I'm not perfect. I failed. I've broken your laws. I've done things I knew I shouldn't do. I didn't do things I knew I should do. And so, God, would you just forgive me? I didn't just do it to people. Somehow it separated me and you. Would you forgive me? And the Bible says if you do that, and then if you'll declare that he's the Lord, God, I want you to lead my life. The Bible says if you'll do that, that you'll have a new start. The old things will be gone. You'll have a fresh new beginning. You'll open doors to this relationship I've been talking about. We'd like you to check the box if you want to do that, and we'll communicate with you. In a moment, I'll pray about that. And just in your own way, or you can use my words, Lord Jesus, I'm a sinner. I want you to forgive me and lead my life. And you can begin that life today. It's that easy. And the next step B, I want to get baptized to go public and say, I'm not ashamed of the relationship I have with Jesus, and I'm not ashamed that he loves me, and I want the world to know. We have a big baptism coming up in just a matter of a few days with several folks getting baptized. Join the party. It's a lot of fun around here. Next step C. Now listen, you don't have to check this box. I'm not going to be offended. I just want you to experience this for a while. I want to pray out loud to the Lord this week about an answer I'm seeking. I don't mean just that sense of, oh, God, could you help me? Or the Hail Mary prayer. Look, yeah, throw one up to you, big guy. 
I mean, close that door and talk to him and use your words. If, you, if, if there's an answer you're seeking, if there's something, what if it looked, what if you carved out five minutes a few times this week? Why don't you check that box as a way of saying, all right, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give this a try. I'm going to take Jesus at face value, and if he said, when I pray, this is how I should pray, I'm just going to give it a try. My next step, D. I'm praying for the next level of small group leaders in our church. We're doing this book about knowing God's will. It's powerful. It's powerful. It's powerful. And we need people who say, maybe I don't have it all figured out, but I'm willing to be hospitable, and I'm willing to walk them through the guide that I'm provided and have a conversation about this stuff. We need like like 40 of you to do that. Not because we need it, but because the impact on this congregation and our surrounding community is going to be great. Check that box. If you have an inch of inkling that maybe this is you, check it. We'll be in touch with you. And then you may decide no, but check the box and let's get rolling on the investigative process. All right, next up, B. I want to pray and ask God to show me the four people I should invite to our big day. We have this big day coming up, our eighth anniversary. We're going to invite some people. If you invite four, one is likely to come. That's just the odds. And I'm going to talk about the love of Jesus and the power of a community of faith and hope that people who are far from God or were close to him but now have drifted come back and come back home. Let's pray about these things right now. Lord Jesus, God, I want to thank you that you have stretched me and you've pushed me to confront some of my baggage. But God, most of all, you've brought me to a sweet place of rediscovering your heart for me. And not only do I have your heart, but I have your ear. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. Thank you for reminding me. And God, my hunch is is that the message is not just for me. So Lord, we call ourselves as your body at this place back to prayer. God, thank you for those that have already stepped over, over the last several months and said, I'll lead prayer. I'll lead prayer. God, they were the first fruits of what you're already doing. Give us the heart to pray bold prayers. Give us the courage to follow through. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.